Hi, this is the Girls Gotta Read podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Ellery. And we are bringing you a very special bonus episode, Page to Screen, where we read a book and we watch a movie and we discuss both without spoilers. And this week we are reading Women Talking, which is a book by Miriam Taves. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. I was actually going to ask you that because I was looking up how to do it, and I was like, is it toes? Is it towels? I couldn't figure it out, so I'm glad you knew how. I saw it I did when I was doing my research. She had explained that it's pronounced Taves in like a New York Times article. Perfect. Yeah. And to accompany reading this book, we also watched the movie, which came out in 2022, by the same name called Women Talking. Yeah, and the book came out in 2018. Right, that's right. Um, So do you want to kick us off with the reviews for each item, book, and movie? So on Goodreads, this book has a 3.6 out of 5, and that has a 77% Google score, and a 3.9 on Amazon. Wow, that's kind of lower than I thought. I agree. I think it's a little bit lower than I thought, but you'll be very happy with the movie scores. It has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. A 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 78% Google score. Nice. That's a really high tomato well, meter rating. It is. It's, yeah, what's that called? Certified fresh when yeah. it gets, like, above a certain <laughs> percentage. Um, honestly, that's the only one that counts in my mind is Rotten Tomatoes. Perfect. I trust them inherently. Yeah. Outside of, like, the, the feel-good rom-com. Yeah, I mean, the Google score for movies is always so inflated. Yeah. But in this one, it's flipped. The, right. the tomato score is higher. Yeah. This book, uh, so this movie was nominated. I'll just go into a little bit of why I wanted to pick it because it was nominated for an Oscar. And it's not that I think the Oscars are a measure of like the best movies because we all know that it's actually far more political and unfortunate. But when I was watching like who was nominated and looking it up, I saw this movie, watched a trailer, and immediately knew I wanted to read the book first. So then when we started this podcast, I was like, oh, this is great. We're doing this whole page to screen thing. It'll be the perfect choice. We love women talking. Yeah. So why (laughs) wouldn't we love a book called Women Talking? Well, I actually wanted to thank you for picking this because I had never heard of this book or movie. Yeah. I I don't really follow the Oscars or anything like that. And I would have never picked this up in a bookstore. Not because of the cover. It The cover to me, it, it looks very Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and I just, it wouldn't have interested me because it is about a Mennonite community, and I would have been like, eh, that's not really something I'm particularly interested in. But I loved this book and this movie. Same. So, thank you for I g- it. I know. I gave the book, I gave the book a four and a half out of five. I gave the movie a five out of five. The only reason that I gave like slightly less points for the book was just because of the names, which I know is like a really dumb reason, but I was getting a little confused as to who was saying what, but in the end, I don't think it really mattered. Well, so the women are so different that you kind of pick up on who is who. That's aside true. Aside from the names, but I'm going to give the book a four out of five okay. and the movie a, four, a five out of five. I liked, my big hang up with the book is I don't like that it's a man narrating it. I understand why that he is narrating it because he's able to like read and write. Read and write. But just the fact that it's titled Women Talking and the women in this book are so powerful, I didn't like that 
it was a man. And then in the movie, I read an article later on that I'll talk about later. The director made the choice to make it a female narrator. Mm. In August, the the note taker is a character in the movie, but he's smaller. He's a smaller character, and I liked that a lot better. So I enjoyed the movie, and I enjoyed the book too, but I loved that change that the director made. Yeah, I think um, it's, you know... I don't know. There was... So, okay, wait. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We should probably give the premise, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and we, we kind of need to give the premise, especially because this is based off of a true story. Um, so, this is what I got from The Guardian, which did an article called um, Miriam Taves Interview Women Talking Mennonite. That's a bad title for an article. I'm sure it's something better. <laughs> so, but anyway, this Guardian article... It says, Miriam Taves describes her latest book as an imagined response to crimes perpetrated against Mennonite women in Bolivia. Why don't you take us away with a little bit of the history of what actually happened to these these individuals? So, I found this article from the Mary Sue, which is a newspaper, and in the years 2004 to 2009, women and children were waking up, finding themselves like bloodied battered with no memory of what had happened in this Mennonite community yes in Bolivia um and the leadership of these communities was saying that it had either been ghosts or it was Satan until a woman caught men entering their house uh in 2009 and this certain community was under an exemption from the government to govern themselves aside from murder but it got out that this was happening and then they were arrested they were arrested but they were purposely put in town to protect the men first yes of course yeah yeah because yeah. the women were attacking them. attacking them because their children had been attacked and raped and violated um so originally the leader of this colony put them into um, the town, the local town at the police station to protect them first. Yep. And then following them being arrested, the there was a trial and at least eight of the men were found guilty and charged. And then it's come out that like over 130 people had been victimized. And there's been also some reports now that it was also including men. Um, but the Mennonite community is so closed off. I had a hard time finding any research that came with quotes from people from the community. So I'm not really sure who exactly was being victimized. Yeah. But I think the majority was women and children. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So when I was doing a little bit of research into the author and the book... So the author, Miriam Taves, grew up in a small Mennonite town called Steinbeck, which is in Manitoba, Canada. Um, and it, she fled the community at age of 18. We might have read the same article as yours from New York Times. I read that one. I read the LA Times one and The Guardian. Okay. Yeah, yeah. perfect. So she says, I felt an obligation, a need to write about these women uh, like the Mennonites in Bolivia um, she descended from the Molochana community, or I'm sorry, colony that is what is now considered Ukraine. I related to them. I could easily have been one of them, is what she said. 
And when I was doing the research, she even put this book away for a little while to write about something else, but ultimately, like, constantly felt like she was called back to, like, talk about these specific women and imagine what this, what their narrative, like, how they could have handled this situation. So, jumping off that, um, going back to the article that I found from the Mary Sue newspaper, this book picks up when the men are jailed and they're answering the question, quote, do we, do they run, stay and fight or continue in silence? Unquote. So that was the, what she was tasked with and like internally, like imagining a world in which she was like able to see into the colony. Mm -hmm. And that's why in the book, like at the beginning, there's those, the picture of the donkey. I think it's a donkey, a horse. Yeah, It's a horse. Okay. They look pretty much the same. Yeah, they do. (laughs) And it's like turned around and then there's the clouds, which is stay, just stay Mm -hmm. and do nothing. And then there's the swords for fighting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where this book opens up is that the women have decided that over the day, the, the course of a, essentially 48 hours while the men are being imprisoned, that there are two of the families. This is now, this is the book, which is the, the interpretation, the, the author's interpretation of what might have occurred or, or just an interpretation that allowed them that space, um, the fictionalized version. But they meet and they discuss should they stay peacefully in silence and forgive, stay and fight or go. And there is one male character that's allowed to stay and he takes the minutes of the meetings between these women and the minutes is ultimately what this book is. It's his minutes that he's written down. Um, We're not going to give away what happens. We're not going to even like spoil this a little bit. Um, But we both definitely think that it should be read. Yeah. And, and don't, don't not read it because you don't think that, the Mennonite community can relate to you. Like, it is a very closed sect of society, but it it has messages for overall. Yeah, it does. But yeah. I think what I found most compelling when I was reading it was this was a community that treated women who are not able to read and write, not able to go to school. And they, they acknowledge these things. We're not trying... You know, I'm not trying to put my own viewpoints on Mennonite women. I'm just saying this is how they are talking, that they're unable to read, they're unable to write, um, and they're basically living in a community that does not want them to think. But here they are in a barn, meeting in secret, deciding what to do, thinking for themselves, what is the best course of action? You know, as someone who is not religious, I am, I was most moved by the conversations they had about God. These are profoundly religious women who are speaking openly on what they believe God will do with them and these men and how do they protect themselves while preserving their very deeply religious beliefs. It was beautiful. It was also their viewpoints were so complicated knowing that they're deeply religious and they're like questioning. Right things that they've been taught and told and it was so powerful there was like so many moments in the movie and in the book where ona in particular would have like gut punch lines yeah and then the angry mom salome i think her name was 
Yeah. She had some great lines too. And I, I had to like pause the movie and I was like writing them down. Like, yeah. The, the one where, you know how people say like, it's not all men. Ona had one line in particular that was a great response to the not all men. Right. Thing that I'm like totally going to steal. <laughs> but overall, what the author said, I have a quote from her that I think kind of goes off what you're saying of like, we don't want to project onto Mennonite people. This is what I think you said her name is Teves. Taves. Taves. Okay. Quote, if you don't end up filled with self-loathing and or guilt and or inexplicable rage living in that community, then you are not paying attention, unquote. And then earlier on, she says there's a lot of emphasis on shame and discipline and punishment and guilt. So that's from her own experience. Yeah. And you can see that throughout the novel, too. Now, I'll be honest. I read the book first. Then I looked up this author. And it made so much more sense once I found out that she did live in a Mennonite colony that was very similar to this one up until 18, that I was like, oh, that makes so much sense, like how she's able to like speak so freely. But um, what she does with these characters and their lines and what they have to say just felt like incredibly well-rounded and respectful. There's, there's not once is she at all chastising like Mennonite people and the community, but she has to acknowledge that there is a patriarchy that runs amongst it. Otherwise, the women would be able to interact in the community out there, the fairs where they sell their goods. They would be able to read and write. You know, she acknowledges all of that, but it's done really flawlessly and really subtle. Subtle is like the big word that I wrote down first because these women aren't speaking in elegant, elo- eloquent long sweeping paragraphs they're speaking very plainly because that's how they speak to each other that's the language that they know they're uh, also really conversating liked. yeah like, and yeah and they're joking yeah like they, the the best i thought one of the funniest parts was when somebody exasperatedly screams fuck it off and one of the little girls goes i think it's i think it's fuck off instead like she tries to correct her and they all break out in laughter yeah. um it that I just I really liked the book. Same. I I I recommended it to my mom this morning and she was like, That title's really like silly and I was like, No, but that's what the book is. Yeah. It's women talking to each other. Yeah. So the the title is perfect, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think the the one thing that really killed me, um, like a like a guttural punch was when these women were describing the attacks in their community their elders had even said that it's perhaps that the attacks they were blaming ghosts demons the devil himself and then they said it could also be possible that it's a quote wild female imagination and at the very and this author dedicates the book as wild female imagination which i loved i love that too and it's at the beginning of the book like this is based on real events but like the rest of it is from the wild, wild female, female imagination. imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was so powerful because that's ultimate. The power is what this book is about, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just done in a really beautiful way. And it's for people that should be treated like incredibly innocently. And these women, while they are concerned with their safety, ultimately they're having these discussions because of their children. They don't want their children to continue to grow up in this without um without some kind of change happening i really liked 
one part in particular where they ask August if their boys are old enough yet or or young enough yet to be saved. And I really appreciated that because they were admitting, like they were kind of saying like, this is the society they're raised in. Like we want to save our boys too. It wasn't just about like their girls that were like being victimized. It was about all their children. Right. Which is very pure. Right. And that mom, the one I'm referencing, Salome. Salome. I loved her. She, she had a book, she had a part in the book because they're talking about how if they leave, the only people that can save them and allow them passage into the kingdom of heaven is the elders of their community. And somebody says that and they said, but if they leave, then they can't ask forgiveness of the elders. And she completely breaks out and she said, you know, only God can forgive me. You know, only God is capable of these things, not men in this community. And it was so powerful. And I just, like, watched the movie in anticipation of that part. Well, the part of the movie that is really striking is when it's the part where she's walking to the mobile clinic for her daughter. And it says that she walked for, like, two days with her child on her back. And I was like, you are a very powerful woman. She is filled with a lot of rage. Mm -hmm. And she is just, she's a very good mom, very good person. Aside from being a mom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk about the movie a little bit? Yeah. Um, so the movie came out in 2022, and it is directed by Sarah Pauly. She um, won Best Adapted Screenplay for it at the Oscars. And it stars Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, um, Sheila McCarthy, and a little bit of Frances McDormand. So it's a powerhouse cast of lady actresses. Well, the the lady that plays Greta, I recognized her from Umbrella Academy. She's the maid in Umbrella Academy. And the whole time I was like, I recognize you, but you look very different in whatever role I've seen you in. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, that's where I know you from. Yeah. The rest I didn't, I, I've never seen them in anything else. I don't watch that many, like kick butt films because that's probably what they all do okay (laughs) but i really liked the the movie had that change of the narration yeah i think it's supposed to be ona to her daughter like her unborn child Mm -hmm. um and i also liked that they had the flashes in between of the actual like attacks yeah so when the I read an article about the author who described what it was like watching the movie, and she said that they changed a couple things, but she wasn't upset about the changes. And one thing was that she did not want her book at all to detail the graphic attacks that had happened on the women. It was it was a book called Women Talking. It was about women talking, and she wanted to focus on how they gained their power through their conversations. But I agree, the movie was so much more powerful. Because you have these silent moments where it'll be like a woman is speaking and she's silent and they'll flash to the attack or um, a woman lying in bed and there's like blood between her legs. I mean, it was so powerful and it really made you think that these women are just, I mean, don't interpret, people interpret silence as weakness and that is not at all true for these women. And I, I agree with you. Those little snippets, they were so powerful. What did you think of the trans character in this? I, I had a hard time grappling if the character was trans. Yeah, I don't think she's... I mean, I don't know if I want to put that kind of 
not that it's a label, but that kind of identity on the character. What I interpreted that as is that because if she's a man, she won't be attacked. Yeah. The only part that made me think that that character was, was trans was the name change from Nettie to Melvin. I was like, I'm not really sure here, but the book and the movie don't really elaborate further from there. Right. And that's, and I honestly think like it's hard to, cause when we talk, when we just like, if we say that she's trans, we're saying that she's like, she's chosen to identify that way. And I guess she has. So you but have to, but it's more of a trauma response. It, right. It's like okay. a PTSD. Like she was, she, so those one woman that we're talking about was attacked and then she wears men's clothing and she goes by the name Melvin and she will not speak to any adults. She only speaks to children. And it's like that's the way that her she's coping with the trauma that she's been through. Um, it was very interesting, but I wanted to talk, I wanted to ask you about that because I watched it with my partner and I was like I think I think honest what I interpreted that as is like she's just she I I thought if she looks like a man and if she dresses like a man, then maybe she won't be attacked like a woman. I mean, it makes that makes that sense. makes sense to me, but they don't talk about her. And at one point they're begging her to speak to the women. The women are like, please just this once talk to us and she won't do it. She's, you know, yeah, but that's also, there's another girl that has like a pretty big anxiety attack in the book and in the movie. And, um, it just shows you like the different ways that they're struggling with it, you know? Yeah, they they talked a lot about nervousness and narfa, yeah. but I I'd never heard that word before narfa. I'm not sure if it's unique to the Mennonite yeah, like, I've, language. I've never heard of it, I, or it's just a term that's not in use anymore too. Because yeah. they, I mean, the word hysterical is like hysteria is like an older word that we don't really use anymore because it has like negative connotation. So that word could also right. I'll have to look into that. Well, in the book, it's the the writer of the minutes, the, excuse me, the male teacher is translating in his head their low German to English. Um, and he describes in the book moments where they're using a word that doesn't translate. And I really enjoyed those parts. I thought they were really great. Um, and just like nice additions. Um, I know you said that you didn't like his perspective I, uh, or that he was narrating. I liked the perspective he brought because he was an excommunicated Mennonite male who then comes back and rejoins the community. But in the life that he lived when he was excommunicated, he went to university. He, he has a bit of perspective of the world. And I wonder if he just, he, when these women are having these thoughts I mean, you have to put yourself in the shoes of these women. If you lived in a Mennonite community and you were thinking about leaving as one of your options, that is a lofty thought. And they have a very short time to do it, they, too, in yeah. this book. But he serves as a way to give them, to allow them that dream to yeah. leave, right? Yeah, I just, I would have liked I, it if it was a woman. Well, and that's why, <laughs> I agree, like, that's why the movie's better, because he's he's such a small character, and even he says, like, he says, you know, I, somebody says, well, what do you think? And he says, it doesn't matter what I think. He also raises his hand for permission. Yeah. <laughs> but the one woman says, what would you, what would you do if all of your life you were never permitted to think? And he says, 
I don't remember what he says. He says something like, I don't know. And she's like, no, like if you, your whole life, like she pushes him to really think about like, if you were taught never to think, if you were never encouraged, think about what that life would be like. It's a really good book. It is. It's a really good movie. I highly recommend it for anybody. Yeah. I'm glad we did a page to screen where we liked both. <laughs> yeah. I mean. We liked Radiant we liked, Girls. We did like Radiant <laughs> Girls. But this was like, this was like a motion, a feature motion picture. You know, it's like, um, it's just really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I hope our next one is just as good. Oh, well, our next one's American Psycho, and I will say oh it's going to be top-notch. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's very different than this. That's yeah. a full 180. I know. Just a scary, different way, though. That's true. Yeah. Not that this book is scary. The idea, the premise of the book yeah. is scary. It's that, definitely a darker... The move, The book was fast-paced, very easy to read, I thought. I read it in a day. Yeah, the font is huge, so you're flying <laughs> through it. The movie is definitely a darker watch. It's a it's more of serious tone. Um, I mean, the book is serious, but to watch a movie in a serious way, you gotta like put yourself in that mind space. Um, the audiobook is only five hours long, so if you have like a five hour road trip, pop this on. Yeah, that's not bad at all. I put it up to one point two times speed, so that's why it's only five hours. Oh, okay. But then they talk at like a normal pace. I feel like one time speed for audiobooks is like they it's talk. a little slow like yeah this. it's a little slow <laughs> yeah yeah nice well i think that's it for this one i think so too yeah this has been a very special bonus episode page to screen for girls gotta read uh we will be back with you next week for our regularly scheduled spoiler heavy episode as always thanks for listening and we will see you next time bye bye